Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-show number 61, in which we'll be talking about Sidney Pollock's Out of Africa, the Best Picture winner of 1985. And to talk about this, I will welcome in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm excited to talk about Danish royalty. (laughs) Uh, I think on a previous episode, you mentioned that there have been three Best Picture winners, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to, that involved Danish royalty. Uh-huh. Uh, one was, of course, Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And one is Out of Africa. But that third one is eluding you. I cannot figure out what it is. I'm trying to go through them in my head. I was wondering if maybe it was Grand Hotel. I mean, sure, it takes place not? in a hotel in Berlin. There could easily be something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, involving is not the same as being about. Right, right. And, you know. Yeah. So, who knows? Maybe, you know, isn't there a character who was in uh, in the heat of the night who was descended from <laughs> Danish royalty? I seem to recall. That's what it was. I think Bill Gillespie is, uh, Gillespie is, a, Dan- is a Danish name, right? I think so. But, uh, yeah, so we are talking about Out of Africa, uh, Best Picture winner of 1985, and uh, I'll just lead by saying this is a film that I was somewhat dreading, uh, not because I thought it was going to be bad or unwatchable, but because I just thought it was going to be very boring and laborious and all of those. And uh, it is one of a handful of Best Pictures to have, I believe, a rotten rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. And so... Uh, I think I, I think I saw that on, on Wikipedia, but I don't think I bothered looking it up. So you, you're welcome to do so while I talk. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I was just really worried about it. Uh, I thought it was going to be another English patient, frankly. Right. Um, but then I watched it. I had not seen it before. I watched it and, uh, I wouldn't say I love it, but it's very good. It's, it's certainly way better than the English patient. How could it not be? Yeah. Um, and it's uh, and I what I've seen of Sidney Pollock's uh, films as a director. I, I actually at this point I know him more as an actor than as a director. But um, what I had seen of his stuff, I have enjoyed. And so uh, I guess I should have assumed that the film would turn out fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about this uh, this woman who is a Danish. I don't think she's a princess. She a countess, maybe something like that. I don't remember exactly. I don't. Yeah. I don't know titles. Sadly, um, but uh, and she marries a guy who she doesn't love and he doesn't love her. And they're very open about that. Mm-hmm. They they're doing it as a function of convenience, but they are friendly with one another. Um, and they move to Africa where they're going to have a coffee plantation. And once they get there, uh, her husband shows very little interest in running it. Hmm. And so he actually goes off on hunts, uh, big game hunts and stuff like that, leaving her to run the plantation by herself, at which point she meets 
another big game hunter played by Robert Redford. Uh, this woman, by the way, is played by Meryl Streep. So she meets Robert Redford. They fall in love and embark on this affair. But even then, it's not like it's not necessarily scandalous because she and her husband, again, do not love each other. He he has tons of affairs. And so he kind of he's kind of OK with it. Um, but nonetheless, and so because of that, it winds up, the film is not about, Ooh, how scandalous it's more about their relationship. Yeah. And I think that is the key to this movie being good. Mm -hmm. Um, because, because this is a woman who wants stability in her life. And so, and then she meets this man who will regularly like, not unlike her husband will go off on these big game hunts and he, they have conversation after conversation about her wanting to not necessarily marry him. Cause I don't think she, I don't remember if, I don't think they can get divorced. She and her husband, mm. but just that this man, Dennis played by Robert Redford would just stick around and just be there for her. And she would be there for him, have it be like a real relationship. And he just mm. keeps saying no and because it's Robert Redford, he keeps saying no in the most likable way. Mm-hmm. And and it's so interesting because the arguments they have, it, it's written very well. And they seem like the arguments that two adults would have mm-hmm. in which he does not want to be tied down. He's got to be free. He's got to be free. He's a free bird. Yeah. He's got to be free so that he can go and just murder <laughs> all kinds of animals. All kinds. Um, and then... But then she makes the argument of like, well, we've been together for a while. Let's be that. And it's just, and you know, that was our big, that was our big problem with English patient. Well, there are a few, but a big problem that we had was the script. Like it just, we didn't like specific lines. We didn't like scenes, uh, and character motivations never seemed to spring from anywhere in particular. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like the actors might've been sort of out to sea, not because it's their fault. I mean, you know, Kristen Scott Thomas and Ray Fiennes, like those are good actors, good actors, but that script needed a lot of work. And so, um, whereas this, the script is solid. I feel like these are real characters and, uh, I do have some issues with it, which which I'll talk about in a moment, but by and large, I, I was, and maybe because my expectations were super low. low. Yeah. Um, but I, I viewed it as, as favorable. It's a film that, uh, that I liked uh, a fair amount. One thing I was going to say about it too, in, in regards to the English patient is one of the things we talked about then was how they're, uh, the book of the English patient is separated into four different stories. Right. Um, whereas this is just one person's story and that one felt like it was taking just little parts of each one and and not enough to make sense. Whereas if you're just taking one person's story and stretching it over, you know, three hours. And what's interesting. So it is one person's story and it's a true story. It's a true life story. Right. Um, it's, uh, Karen Blix, Blixen, pardon me. And so this is actually based on three separate books, one written by her cause she wrote, uh, uh, like not diaries ex- not accessibly. or something? What's the word for it? A lot. Copious. She wrote copiously. That's not what I was Copiously say, a but, word? Um, extensively. That might, that's what work. I mean. Yeah. She wrote extensively about her life and her experience. So they had a lot to draw on. And then there were, there were biographies written about her as well. So, you know, it could be that the, <coughs> that the writer felt he had a, a responsibility to depict her well not necessarily sympathetically, but well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, and her story. And uh, so the three main characters are uh, Karen, uh, Dennis, and then her husband, whose name is spelled B-R-O-R, Broer, 
I believe it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, played by Klaus Marie Brandauer. That also, sounds like such a, uh, a barbarian name, doesn't it? Broer the Barbarian. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, and he does a great job as well. He's an actor that I am mostly unfamiliar with. Um, I went back and watched some episodes of Siskel and Ebert talking about this film and talking about if they picked the winners for the Oscars, they both thought he should win supporting actor for which he was nominated. Uh, and admittedly, there's a lot going on in his performance. He's a guy who is, who wants to be loving of this woman, but is also inherently selfish. And Mm -hmm. because he knows how the marriage started, he feels fairly justified in being selfish. Yeah. They both got married for selfish reasons. Yeah. And, but he also still cares for this woman. They were friends first. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot going on with his character and I, I liked him a lot. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I only recently saw it. You were unable to rewatch it in time for this record. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you see it? I I have to assume you saw it because it was the best picture when it was yeah. 1985. Yeah, I wasn't like, you know what, that looks interesting. I like lions. Um, no, I I saw it probably in college. So, uh, so yeah, that, it, it's been some years since I saw it. And really, it didn't leave much of an impression on me. Yeah. Like, I remember thinking, that oh, was fine. Um, I didn't feel strongly against it like I did with some of the other ones, but I didn't remember a whole lot about it. I honestly, I couldn't tell you what Broer looks like or mm. sounds like or acts like. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't remember any of that. Um, but, uh, I think I remember the look of it being, being nice. Like it has yeah. a, a good, a good, uh, visual style to it. Um, it's funny because Sidney Pollock isn't one of the first ones that pops to my mind when I think of good visual directors. Not to say that he's not a good visual yeah. director, but well, I don't think of, of him as far as epics. And while this, yeah. while the story certainly isn't isn't an epic, the landscape, yeah, is. the setting certainly is. So that's interesting. Uh, do you know anything about what drew him to this project? Or I have no idea. Like yeah. this is the guy that directed Tootsie, right? In my opinion, one of the best comedies of all time. Yeah. Three years earlier. Yeah. So it wasn't far off from that. And yeah. I don't know if he did anything in between. Um, I wish I had his uh, filmography pulled up, but um, yeah, I have no idea. Hmm. Um, I think maybe just the idea of telling a, a story that, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to challenge himself. Yeah. Thought like, all right, this is a big epic film. It's a, it's a, in some ways a sweeping romance, but I want to bring it down to earth and make it a real, about real people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting since watching it, which is at this point, like a week and a half ago, uh, it has started to fade from my memory as well. I have no doubt that in a year, if I think about it at all, I will think about the visual aspect and I will think about Meryl Streep's performance Mm -hmm. because, I recognize I am not the first person to say this. That Meryl Streep's pretty good. She's very talented. She's she, a talented young lady. I yeah. think she's going places. I think she's going to do all right. Um, um, I, I did find the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes thing you were talking about. It is one of uh, one, two, three, four, five Best Picture winners that have a uh, below 60% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. Uh, and what are the other ones? These other ones are definitely skewed uh, by people who don't like old movies. Okay. <laughs> because uh, three of them are Broadway Melody, Cavalcade, and Cimarron, which I think are like 
28, 31, and 33, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, and then The Greatest Show on Earth, which I agree is not a very good movie. I've also heard Around the World in 80 Days is not a good one either. Yeah, I don't think that one's so great. Although, if you look at that one as like a kid's movie, mm-hmm. it's fine. Like, it's got yeah. fun things happening. It's kind of adventurous. Yeah. Uh, David Niven absolutely kids love david niven and you know when you hear about it uh, when you realize that the biggest voting branch in the academy is the actors branch and then around the world in 80 days had like this huge cast of cameos and stuff like yeah it kind of makes sense i think they were trying to make a film that include incorporated every member of the actors (laughs) branch of the academy but um but yeah so so yeah I, i don't think out of africa is a film that really sticks with you the way some movies do and some best pictures do but mm-hmm. um but it is a film that i that i thought was pleasant and i and i will go back to meryl streep um so she's doing an accent and uh you know a good number of her performances you come to realize a good number of them have in cor- feature accents hmm. and it's pretty seamless here's the thing i don't know what the danish accent sounds like um but hmm. I'll, but her I'll say this her accent sounds foreign enough to me <laughs> and I also trust her enough as an actress to know yeah. this is what it sounds like and I need to make that sound right. Yeah. And it's consistent which I like but also <clears throat> like I've seen some actors who are doing an accent and it's clear they're putting all their effort on that and they have nothing left for the actual performance. Oh, yeah. That is not at all the case. She commits 100% to what she's doing. She seems like a woman with tremendous inner strength as a woman running a coffee plantation by herself and working with the, the, the natives mm-hmm. as she would, you know, she would need to be that. But there's still a tremendous vulnerability there. Like she is still, she is still a woman in like the turn of the century or I guess post, uh, World War One. You know, and there's an assumption that like, well, yes, I can handle things on my own, but I shouldn't have to, especially because I am married and because there is this man in my life. Why do I feel so alone? So, yeah, there's a lot going on with her performance and it's all conveyed. Um, I feel like anytime you have a character that especially a female character who can seem who's really brassy, then it's like, all right, well, let's just write her and play her as a man and problem solved. Yeah. And, uh, she doesn't, she plays her as uh, multifaceted, which I think is really good. Um, Hmm. I will say that, and, uh, I know I'm not the first one to say this either. Robert Redford, who is a good actor in the right circumstances, um, and a very naturalistic one and definitely has, uh, he has, you know, movie star looks. He's gotten, you know, craggy as he's gotten older, but I mean, you go back and look at like the natural or the sting or, you know, uh, all the president's men and out of Africa. And he, I mean, he's got like that golden hair. Like he very much <laughs> is like a Brad Pitt of the time. Yeah. Um, and he's great in the sting and I think he's great in all the president's men. Yeah. Um, with this, he's playing a guy that I believe is British um, yeah, it said in the uh, in the Wikipedia article that uh, the real life character was <laughs> the wording they used is the real life character was uh, British, but this was quote unquote downplayed by the the yeah. casting of uh, Robert Redford. And I'm well, like, I don't know if downplayed is the right word. <laughs> well, and I read elsewhere that he wanted to do the accent, but Sidney mm-hmm. Pollock said it will be distracting if you do the accent. Really? Which incidentally, he had no problem saying that to Mar- he had no problem with Meryl Streep doing it. So I could yeah. see the accent not being great yeah uh so and and admittedly that's fine um yeah i do think i think what gets me more than anything is that 
when I look at Meryl Streep in the period costumes and stuff like that, I see the character. And I see an actress who's committing to that character. When I look at Robert Redford in his, you know, in his snap brim hat and his uh, vest carrying the rifle, like all the stuff that a big game hunter should uh, should have, it looks like, and I feel terrible saying this, because he does give it his all as an actor, and the scenes where they are arguing work well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that moment, it looks like a kid playing dress up or it looks like a movie huh. star that they just shoved into a role yeah. that he has no business being. It seemed like one of those things when you see a parody of a Hollywood movie and yeah. you're like, Oh, there's the big star that clearly doesn't really fit. But yeah. Yeah. And while I recognize that there are extremely good looking people in everyday life, um, I don't know. It's, it just doesn't seem, and especially because he's there with Meryl Streep and she is outclassing him as far as a performance goes. Yeah. Uh, it, that really underlines how out of his element he seems, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned that he reminds me of Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt can be a great actor in something like Moneyball. Yeah. You throw, you throw him into Troy mm. and he is, and even though he <laughs> like, he worked out and like bulked up for it. So physically he looks at the part um, and the character is meant to be, you know, just a gold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't, he's not great with the, the way the language is supposed to be. He's not great with cadence or anything mm-hmm. like that. He has a very modern sensibility, which doesn't necessarily mean like the last 20 years. Cause he was, I thought he was very good in assassination of Jesse James as well. Yeah. But he certainly is not, he certainly can't fit his way into Shakespeare or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I think Robert Redford is like that. He just, He's a gr- a very great dependable actor in the right circumstances, and this was not really it. So mm-hmm. I think there are, I think there are, um, I think there are any number of other actors, probably even British actors, who could have played that part and and done something more with it. But as it is, again, he does uh, create a character, and when the two of them are interacting, you know, they do have a fair amount of chemistry, and and so hmm. it's. Uh, so I feel bad saying that. It's not like he's Sofia Coppola in Godfather <laughs> 3 where his performance ruins the film. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's just occasionally, visually, and as far as the occasional line reading, it just takes me out of it a little bit. Mm. Um, but uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so overall, so the film won a bunch of Oscars. It won picture, director, adapted screenplay, cinematography, art direction, sound, and score. Seven. Score. That's a lot. Yeah. The score is by John Barry. It's a very good score. Uh, it looks gorgeous. I'm fine with adapted screenplay. Um, it was nominated for actress, supporting actor, costume design, and editing. Uh, and so looking at the other Best Picture nominees, you have The Color Purple, Kiss of the Spider Woman, Pritzi's Honor, and Witness. Now, I sadly have not seen The Color Purple, which I've heard is marvelous. Yeah. Um, I have either. I've also not seen Kiss of the Spider Woman, which I've also heard is marvelous. Mm-hmm. I did see Pritzi's Honor, and I have seen Witness, um, both of which are very good movies. I don't remember loving Witnesses as much as some people, although I might have seen it at too young an age to really appreciate certain nuances. Yeah. Pritzi's Honor, however, I saw when I was old enough to appreciate it, and it is a, it's a mob comedy about two, uh, about a hitman falling in love with a hit woman and, uh, the complications of that. It's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Exactly. 
except directed by John Huston, and both the characters are kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny because Jack Nicholson plays this mook type character. He even like puts an appliance. He put an appliance like in his upper lip, so it kind of so he has kind of an overbite. So he oh, looks really? specifically kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, not to apply that if you have an over overbite, you look dumb. But the way that his face looks. He he looks like Nicholson, I think, is an actor who exudes intelligence. Yeah. Not in this movie. He's <laughs> able to shed that, which I think is actually an achievement. Yeah, that's um, cool. And Princey's Honor, it's a lot, it's very funny, and I really enjoy it. It's very darkly funny. Um, so I like that. Witness, I, I feel like I should rewatch it. But um, so, yeah, for, for all, everything I've heard says that The Color Purple should have won Best Picture. Um but it didn't, uh, and I can't speak to it because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Kiss of the Spider Woman either. So, of the three movies I saw, I think I'm actually fine with Out of Africa winning. It is it is more of a spectacle. It's more of what we've talked about, what a best picture is. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine with that. I think I personally prefer Pritzi's Honor, mm-hmm. but, um, but whatever. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> now, if we look at the other notable 1985 releases, it's interesting uh, I've heard great things about The Trip to Bountiful, which I've never seen. I've heard great things about the official story. I've heard good things about Agnes of God. Um, but then looking at, at the rest of these, I guess there's A Room with a View, which I think is a Merchant Ivory film. Uh, yeah. um, but this was actually, 85 was, when we look back on it, there are a lot of movies that we still talk about, but not as best picture material. Yeah. Um, Those are the ones that I've seen. There's actually a lot of these that I haven't seen, but yeah. um, Yeah. Most of these that you remember are not something that ever would have won best picture. Yeah, Maybe the most notable of these is back to the future. Yeah. Which I would be fine with, with the nominee for best picture. Like there's a lot going on in that movie. Nowadays it would get it with with 10 nominations. It would get it. Yeah. Although uh, they're uh, talking about going back to five. Did you hear that? (laughs) Yeah. So that lasted for a while, um, but not very long because the whole the the official story, which is the name of a movie <laughs> in 1985, the official story is that the Academy extended it to ten so that we could we could honor all the great movies. Mm-hmm. What it, what it actually was, we want to honor the movies that people have seen, so maybe we, our ratings can go up. Mm-hmm. The ratings did not go up, so <laughs> it would appear they're like, all right, back to five. Never mind. <laughs> Um, there are really only five, maybe, uh, good movies in a year. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Especially the fact that they, they were able to do 10 and never got as high as 10. Yeah, Didn't, that's true. Uh, maybe ne- never is wrong. There was maybe the first year they got to 10. Yeah. I could see that. Um, but yeah. And but most years it wasn't. So it's kind of like, yeah. And we, most we years, all know that even, even when there's five, yeah. you know, there's at least two of them that are not going to be the winner. Oh, absolutely. So it's kind of like, what's the point of having these other ones be nominated if we all know they're not going to happen? And unless you, uh, unless you stretch out the best director slate to 10 or yeah. to up to 10 as well, then it's like, okay, so people get shafted every year and then people get upset about it. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things where it's like, all right, so. There are, let's say there are nine nominees. Okay. Which ones are the, is the Academy taking seriously? Well, let's look at best director. <laughs> oh, okay. There uh, they are. Got it. There it is. <laughs> the other four are clearly not being taken seriously. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and it's not as if like if dark Knight had been nominated that year, it would have won. Like that never would have happened. Right. Right. Or Wally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's the thing is so, and those were the two movies that sort of sp- 
you know, sparked that. And then the next year, admittedly, they did nominate, yes, Avatar, but also District 9. Yeah. Um, but then after that, I feel like they didn't go for a lot of stuff that were big money makers. No. Um, it's not like they could have, it's not like they did the Avengers, which right. frankly I would have been fine with. Um, cause I think it's a really great movie and certainly one of the best of best movies of that year and one of the best movies of the genre. And it was a money maker. But even if it had been nominated, I know it's not going to win. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it seemed like it was, it was all a stunt. And if they do go back to five, then <laughs> I think Oscar historians will look back at uh, 2009 to 2014 and think, yeah, that was a misfire. So, <laughs> was um, a weird decision for a little while. But yeah, so I will list off some of the movies uh from 1985 that many of us have seen, um maybe not everybody, but like movies that we saw either growing up or people say like, "Oh, you got to see that." So there's Back to the Future, The Goonies, Better Off Dead, Brazil, which, by the way, is probably my favorite movie of 1985. Yeah, that might be mine, too. Um, the Breakfast Club, Clue, Fletch, Legend, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Pale Rider, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, uh, The Purple Rose of Cairo, which I've actually never seen, Real Genius, Silverado, which is a movie I enjoy tremendously. Mm. Um, so a lot of genre stuff in here, a lot of, uh, crowd pleasers in here. Yeah. Um, but Off it's this always, list, that's kind of like, those are the ones that I've seen. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The big ones, not all of those There's still a few. I haven't, haven't seen legend. I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen Silverado actually. Oh, I think you would like um, it tremendously. I have seen purple rose of Cairo, which I actually don't enjoy that much, which surprises me because I like Woody Allen and I like the concept of, uh, a movie character from, you know, like, 40s uh golden age of cinema uh, leaving the movie and living in our world like that's kind of a that's kind of a fun idea and he treats it in like a fun whimsical way but somehow the movie just doesn't land with me i don't know hmm. i guess i will have to watch it i haven't seen it because as you know i hate woody allen well there you go so um that's a joke i think he's fine um <laughs> so he's fine <clears throat> he has his moments uh but, uh, so yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll probably leave it there. Um, 85, I would say is kind of a, kind of a weak movie year. Again, there are a lot of movies here that I feel like are movies that people say you gotta see, mm -hmm. but of the, like looking at these, I think the only movie that would ever make my top, my personal top hundred is Brazil, which it does pretty regularly. Um, I make it every two or three years and brazil is usually on there yeah um and and that's kind of it um i do also recommend a movie called lost in america by the way which is uh, uh albert brooks is in it i don't remember if he wrote and directed it i think he might have and mm. it's really good if you like albert brooks comic sensibility which i do um but yeah so it's uh not a great year and in not a great year out of africa winning best picture is fine with me and if somebody, as we often do at the end of these, if somebody says, hey, I was thinking of watching Out of Africa, what do you think? Uh, I think I would say, sure, it's fine. It moves a little slow, but to me, there's enough character stuff going on with uh, Meryl Streep's uh, character that it carries, it carried me through the kind of the quote unquote dull spots. Um, and then have you, do you feel like you've seen it recently enough that you could recommend it or warn somebody away from it or do you feel like i haven't or would you just say i haven't seen it in a while go ahead and watch it i'd probably say i haven't seen it in a while i mean it, to me it felt like one of those ones that it's like it's fine that i saw it but you're not missing anything if you miss it 
Yeah. So which, like, yeah. If there are, if, if you're looking for best picture winners to skip, I think you're okay skipping this one. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, uh, and it sounds like, again, neither of us have seen it, but it sounds like go and watch the color purple instead. Yeah. Um, and certainly go watch Brazil though. Uh, uh be ready for that. So, <laughs> cause it's a, it's a strange, strange film. So it is a strange film. Okay. We will leave it there. Uh, thank you for listening, Josh. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.